everyone and welcome to my last podcast for 2020. I have a great conversation to share with you today. I've been chatting with Julie Creswell, a fellow parenting coach. I've asked her for three thoughts to make Christmas easier for parents and I love what she shared today. But I'm going to be brave and go first. There are a number of ways to prioritise connection over Christmas, but this is a little something that I put into our family life a few years ago. I found that with five children and a large wider family and all that Christmas involves, that often we get to the end of the day and some things were ticked off the list, but we hadn't necessarily connected. I wasn't available. I was busy. No busier than you, just buying last minute gifts, entertaining, wrapping, prepping and shopping for the days ahead, prepping and shopping for that day, cooking and clearing for that day. And like all jobs, work expands to fill the time available for it, doesn't it? And so the day was happy and higgledy-piggledy and a journey of just passing people in the hallways and ticking things off lists. Necessary things, but nonetheless, what the children saw more of was my back than my front. Have you heard of the expression, put the big rocks in first? If I gave you three rocks, a pile of pebbles, some little stones and some sand and a jar that definitely could fit it all in, you'd find that the only way to fit it all in was if you put the big rocks in first. And it's the same with life, family, seasons, Christmas time. What are your big rocks at this time of the year? Mine was connection, but I was putting the sand in first and finding that by the end of the day, there was no room for the big rocks. So we addressed that problem and thought ahead about how to be proactive about it and how to put some things in place. And among the ideas that we came up with, one of them was Mummy's Happy Hour. On the run up to Christmas, I have a happy hour at five o'clock each day. Now, how many days it goes for rather depends on where the end of term is and what day Christmas is on. But it was three or five days running up to Christmas. And the idea was that it was just a space at the end of the day where I was sat on the sofa at five o'clock for an hour. You were guaranteed crisps or a nibble or a drink. And that was all part of the show. I also had games up my sleeve and little things that were different every day. I might have got out a pile of photographs from the old days and we'd have gone through those. I did some of those quizzes that you do from books where you have a pile of matches and there are certain things that you have to compile with the matches. So little sort of tabletop ideas, one for each day and a matching drink or something to eat. And the drink and eats were quite creative. So things like a brie on a pastry that's sort of sandwiched and cooked with Branston pickle or cranberry. And then you cut the pastry and you dip the sticks into the melting brie. You've probably all had that as a starter at a party at some stage, but the children love it. Another night I do cocktails. We started with non-alcoholic cocktails. We're on to alcoholic cocktails now. If you just pour grenadine into orange juice and maybe you frost the top of the glass first with a bit of sugar, it looks absolutely fabulous. And it all just says, come and hang out with me. I'm available. I've stopped. So that's my little idea for the run up to Christmas. And so now on to some great ideas from Julie. As I said, Julie is a fellow parenting coach. Julie helps parents to work out how to best support their child and confidently enjoy the crazy, messy journey of family life. 
Her own journey into parenting was a bit back to front. She and her husband Steve were foster carers for seven years before they had any children of their own. So their first child was 17 and their second was 14. And these experiences, plus having her own birth children and teaching children in a pupil referral unit, have taught her that there really is no one-size-fits-all. All parents have times when they feel stuck. And it's in those challenging times she gives them a safe space to talk, to reflect, to step back and access her experience. And that experience has made a huge difference to so many families. Julie is passionate about what she does. And you can find out more about Julie and Optimum Coaching if you go to the reference in the show notes today. So I caught up with Julie and I wanted to talk to her about not how can we survive at Christmas time, but how can we truly flourish at Christmas time as a parent? So here's my conversation with Julie. I have been really looking forward to meeting you because we've had conversations over the phone and I've (laughs) met your husband and you were a foster carer and that's something I'm about to step into. But the other thing we've got in common is we're both parent coaches. Tell me about what your week looks like, what sort of coaching you provide. So I do a mixture of groups and one-to-one coaching. I think I've got a couple of different types of styles of group that I run. At the moment everything's online, obviously, but really... The essence of all the work I'm doing is about helping parents to find time and space to reflect and to work out from the busyness of everything else that's going on in family life, what they want for their family, where they want to get to and how they can find ways to get there that work for them and their children because probably very similar to what you find there's no one size fits all is there no no (laughs) and actually taking time to reflect is sometimes the hardest part isn't it I think so because I think when you're in the middle of a situation it's really hard to see the wood for the trees Mm. I think there's very little that's as emotional as, as your children and family life and when you've got that time to step back to just observe the situation and reflect on it as a parent you have so much wisdom and expertise on your child I mean yeah. we know every, so many little details about them don't we that yes. nobody else would know and when you can tap into that it can often give you those light bulb moments to work yeah. out right actually this is what will work for us so you work out what they've intrinsically got and you try and sort of draw that out of them yeah very yeah. much so and I think it's working out what you want sometimes as well because it's easy to get caught up in what we ought to want mm. um or what we've been told we should want, or all sorts of things like that. And sometimes when we boil it down to the heart of what we are actually looking for, you've got a very clear vision then and a real real clear sense of where you want to get to. For example, people often say, well, I want my kids to be happy. But when you think, well, what does happy mean? Is that just smiling and skipping around all the time? Well, often not many people expect their children to do that. Um, but actually being really clear, what does that look like? What does that mean for us and our family? For one family, that might be really boisterous and loud and lots of laughing. For another family, it might be quietly content in each other's company. Mm. And, and when you can, let's say, when you can get to the heart of what those things that you're looking for are, then you can work out how you can work towards them. Yeah. And it's a fairly new thing, isn't it? Mm. Parent coaching. I mean, I've got friends in the States and friends in Australia who would necessarily have a parent coach whereas Mm. over here it's evolving a bit isn't it do you see that as a growing market I think you're at risk of tapping into a real passion of mine in that I think there is a a real myth in this country particularly about 
asking for help as a parent yeah. and it's very very difficult to ask for help there's always this myth that once you've had your child it's okay to have antenatal classes you know when you think actually how long do you actually spend giving birth to your child as opposed to how long you spend raising them yeah and yet people are only really supposed to, I don't know there's a thing about asking for help that's quite difficult particularly as your children get a bit older that somehow you're supposed to know it all yes um and I have yet to meet any parent who's gone from naught to 18 and gone that was a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like it, to meet them. I know, it doesn't happen. And no. how are we supposed to know? And it, I think what was really interesting for me was our fostering journey, um, because we did the whole parenting journey backwards. We started with fostering. Yes. Our first child was 17. Um, and then we've had our, you know, I've now got young children. But within that, you know, you have to do masses of preparation. Well, you'll be in the process. You have to do masses of preparation and reflection and, yes. you know, all these policies and things about how you're going to handle things. And then you have the reality of when it really happens and what it's like. But then within that, you're expected to go to regular training and have regular supervision and constantly be reflecting on your practice yes. and uh, developing yourself professionally. Which is so healthy. Yes. And, I, you know, you have all this wealth that informs what you do with your children and hopefully makes you a better parent or carer to that child. And then the contrast for me of having my own children was here's your child and you get on with it. Yes. And, so, but, and I've worked with kids. As, um, I've taught in a school for a long time. You know, there's reflective practice is really important and yet it doesn't feel like it's very easy to be permitted to do that as a parent yeah and when you think about going on parenting courses a, there is a real stigma attached to that mm. um and yet to me it's that's that's what should be applauded surely in, in a workplace scenario if you were going on professional development or professional training yes people would really appreciate that yeah and yet uh, as i say it, it's that thing as a parent where it can people will confess to getting help um, yes and yeah, I think you want to make your family life better. Surely that's yeah. something. And people have gone before and people yeah. have got tools and strategies. I used to yeah. ask a lot of people who had older children if I thought, oh, I like the way yours have turned out. Yeah. What did you do about this? What did you do about that? I thought, mm. There's no way I'm doing this on my own. So I love the idea that we offer that mm. and that people can come. And quite often after a session, the person will say, it was just nice to talk. And mm. I don't think we necessarily as parents get time to step out of our lives and just talk about our children with an objective person. Yeah. I mean, we probably do that with a partner or a friend, but actually just having time to air your concerns, your worries, your hopes, your dreams, your excitements, your impasses. Yeah. It's really healthy. Definitely. It? Yeah, like you say, it's that space to explore, that space to yes. go beyond the surface things. Mm. And I think it's that safe space to do it because mm. sometimes you start talking to other people and you'll get... Oh, why don't you just do this? Yes. <laughs> so infuriating. Particularly yeah. if you're in a bit in a season where you're stuck with a particular issue with your child. Yeah. I think the feeling of being judged is huge. Yeah. Um, I was judged and found lacking actually. That's that sense, yes. isn't it? And, and then there's all of the, the emotions that come with that. And and when you've got a safe place to just talk things through, it's amazing the light bulb moments that I, you probably find this where people go, oh my goodness, and you've not actually had it. even said anything. I because love it. They've created... worked it out. Yeah. Yeah. And of all the parents I've ever had time with, no two have been the same. Yeah. And usually when there's a scenario going on or they've got stuck or there's a particular child exhibiting signs of anxiety and so on, there are things in there that are causing all of that that 
people at the school gates might not fully appreciate when they're yeah. going, try this, try that. <laughs> so it's, it's good, isn't it, to have time yeah. to flesh it out. So yeah. what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Christmas, aren't we? The Christmas season, <laughs> how to stay sane. And actually, I would go as far as to say, I think probably we would have in common that we would want to see how can we flourish at Christmas time, not mm. how can we survive at Christmas time. Yeah. So what's the first thing that you would talk about? The first thing for me is about starting with a clear sense of what you want to get to at the end. At the end of December, you know, when you look back at this, because it, it's not really just the few days around Christmas, is it? it's the whole build-up to it as well. You know, what's what's the main way you want to describe it? Because there's so much going on, it's really easy to get distracted into lots of different areas. And I think the being clear about what this, what, what's it about for you, maybe just one or two words even... Um, you know, I know quite often for us Christmas is about rest, um, although saying that I've got two young children, so how restful <laughs> when they're at Depends what you call rest. Exactly. I think, yeah, it's it's that sense, you know, when I say rest, like for us it's about a break from routine, it's about a break mm. from the school run and all the having to do things, it's about, re- you know, perhaps recharging is a better way to phrase it. I think, it, I think um, people can relate to that better, can't they? Because yeah. rest always seems to have a horizontal element <laughs> about it. And it's not necessarily the case, is no, it? No, no, and it, it's about re-energising, I think. Yeah. And, you know, and it will often be about fun. And I think when you've got that clear in your head, you know, if it's about fun, you know, you can feel your stress levels rising because you have, there's still a million things on your to-do list. You can start to ask yourself how important are these things and how much are they actually distracting from, you know, my God, if my Christmas tree doesn't look perfect, whatever it happens to be, you know, often there's a lot bigger things. When you've got a clear sense of this is what's most important right now, you can mm. make your decisions against it. And it's not doesn't mean it mean it's easy, because it's not, is it, when the demands are coming from all angles. But I think in terms of prioritising, when you know what your main goals are, it definitely helps. And then when your children are small, it's easier to make your main goals. But as they get a little bigger, and I'd even say sort of around three and four, mm. you can actually start to invite them into that expectation, can't you? And say, well, you know, what are your hopes for Christmas? Are there any particular things that you were hoping that we would do? And they yes. carry memories, don't they? And so they would yeah. go, last year we did dot, dot, dot. you think, gosh, I wouldn't have even thought of that. That was just yeah. a random moment. So <laughs> what do you think about the idea of, including them in that expectation. Well, my seven-year-old already has a plan for Christmas. Right. She's been planning various things since the 1st of September. So um, <gasps> You're willing. You must feel yeah. like Christmas has been and gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I always used to say I don't start planning Christmas or doing anything to do with it till after October half term, but um, she's obviously got other ideas. <laughs> but I like that. I like the fact that they're engaged and involved. Um, they certainly will tell us what they think and I think that's part of it isn't it that's part of being mm. a family or a, a team and that team dynamic is that everyone's got a say and it doesn't mean you always can't always make everybody so everybody gets exactly what they want but you, you've got something to work with and everyone's got a voice yes um yes and I, think I like that yeah really really important yeah yeah and and, and so yes no, she's definitely got some ideas <laughs> what's one of them um she was talking about various games she wanted to play and then if we can't see people how she's going to do it over zoom oh wow um, i had i haven't told the rest of the family yet but she <laughs> she's it's mapping it all way. out <laughs> yes okay, and she'll get everybody that. organized which is lovely to watch as well so is your son very different from your daughter oh yes so he hasn't planned probably he's completely the opposite no he's quite glow, go with the flow i yeah. think so is it harder to work out what his expectations are for Christmas, and given that he's younger? 
Yes, I think it's being very mindful, isn't it? If you've got one child who's very good at articulating what they want, just making sure that the other one isn't expected to go with the flow. Often you do find, you know, some children are are more happy just to go with the flow, aren't they? But it's still valuable to have those check-ins and Mm. is there anything you'd like to do? And, you know, we both try where we can to ensure they have a little bit of one-to-one time as well, wherever, you know, most weeks or weekends as well, where you can then check in a little bit more. Um, It doesn't always happen. It's it's the juggle, isn't it? But I think even just those little chats at bedtime can be really useful just to, to find out He's certainly been vocal about what he wants for presents. Oh, has he? So that's <laughs> that's fine. So no surprises yeah. there. <laughs> no, no, they had lists ready very early. So yes. ours, we had our sort of pre-Christmas check-in a little while ago, a couple mm. of weeks back, and one of them said, "I just want to chill," mm. and another one said, "That just fills me with horror. The mm. idea that all we want to do is just chill on Christmas." So mm. it's working out, isn't it? Okay. So we need some chill time and we need some activity time. You yeah. know, how can we sort of meet in the middle? So that's brilliant. Top tip, think ahead. It's a real Stephen Covey, that, isn't that, it? That's Stop exactly where it's line. from. Yes. <laughs> what would you do without him? I think all, all coaches, um, yeah, that's that's one of those books, isn't it, that, that right at the start. The Seven like, Habits. You can't yes. argue with them, can you? No, they're no. very good. So, What's your second one? Um, I think it's going back to what works well. Um the people I work, I've got some clients I've worked with for a really long time, and they just laugh when I ask this question now. I say, "What's gone well?" Or, you know, because I think that pausing and noticing um, is really, really valuable. It's valuable to do it on a regular basis, but you can use, can't you, what's happened in previous Christmases as a method of just working out what's good. Okay, our kids change; they grow up each year. Every mm. year is slightly different, but mm. there'll be certain things that you go, "Yeah, I know that works." Or particularly for that child like you said about one needing chill space Mm. time and space actually I suspect you've probably already got an idea of what that might look Mm. like to that child because one child's chilling is different to another's totally Um, so even within that it's it's that thing isn't it knowing your child and knowing actually when they say chill this is what they mean and this is therefore what they would want from me or expect me to do Mm. and I think just sometimes using what we already know is just so valuable and it can really help avoid all the some of the crunch points where it doesn't go so well mm. whatever that happens to be I mean I guess the, the topic things that can come up quite easily at Christmas can't it like if you've got a fussy eater and then you've got to go to someone else's house mm. um, and and you've got to deal with all the dynamics of what foods on offer and whether your child likes it and, and that's the point to go well what, what works well generally what do I know already that I can use that will help me in this situation I know for, so for some children for example, going into a big family setup can be really overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. And certainly when we were fostering as well, having to bring in some of the dynamics of this is what our family does, this is what this child's experience has been. And, you know, in that situation, you're, you're getting to know that child as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. But that's where going, okay, well, in this situation, this worked well for them. You, using that knowledge and information can be, I think, really, mm. really valuable. So something yeah. that's worked really well for me is... If we're expecting to do an activity, like, oh, go for a walk, we want to visit them, mm. you know, a little while ago, letting the child know who loves to chill, yeah. what's going to happen when we get back. Yes. And so long as he knows when we get back, mm-hmm. you can have time in your room, you're not expected to come and sort of yeah. hang out with us, then he's much more amenable to it. Whereas if he thinks, and then what, is it just going to be a constant stream of activities? Yes, yeah, so just letting them know in advance what's coming their way so that if they're doing the thing that 
is the opposite of what they love, mm. knowing they've got that afterwards. And how much difference for you does making use of that knowledge of what's gone well, how much difference does that make to you and the family? Exactly. And I think it makes a difference to me because it makes a difference to him. Mm. So once I've seen that his kind of hackles have gone down and he's mm. he's coming because he knows he's going to get what he needs later, Yeah. then I don't feel I'm schlepping and <laughs> dragging yeah. them off on a walk. Because <laughs> those are the things, aren't they, that can really take some of the joy yeah. out of Christmas is when it starts to feel like a battleground yeah. and... Yeah, especially when like, this was supposed to be fun. Yes. <laughs> Are we having fun yet? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing. If you know your children and use that knowledge, it's, it's so valuable, isn't it? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It'll make me reflect. I'm just going to interrupt my conversation with Julie to say you can still order your copy of my beautiful book, Parenting for Life in Time for Christmas. It's full of gems. Things that we learned along the way that have been life-changing, literally, in terms of forming character, averting anxiety and building real and healthy connection. It's beautifully presented in a hardback, fully illustrated, coffee table style book that you either read cover to cover, chapter by chapter, or you can literally pick it up and read one page and it'll just give you that nugget for the day. Maybe something on the developing brain, maybe understanding the emotional impact of adventure, or tucking right into the power of logical consequences, all in a few minutes. If you'd like to pop across and see it in full Technicolor, the link below will take you to the blog and the photos of the book so that you can preview it. Now, back to my conversation with Julie. We've got them. Um, when we picked, it was not mine, I um, it was from a colleague. I used to call her my parenting guru because she was her children were older than a bit older than our foster children, and she was you know you said about these go to people. Yes. Aren't they? Go, yes. What would you do in that situation? Um, and she used to do a treasure hunt on Christmas Eve, so that the kid would keep the kids occupied, and there'd be a prize of a Christmas DVD at the end of it. So oh, then they'd watch lovely. a DVD while she could get everything ready for Christmas Day. Okay. Oh, um, I was genius, but. Christmas Eve is often a time when the kids are really excitable, isn't it? Yes. And you're like, okay, I'm, it's great that they're excited. I don't want to crush that. Yes. But it's a stress point, isn't it? Where it can, can be. be yeah. Oh my goodness, I've got all this stuff to do. The kids are really excited. How am I going to balance it? And again, that focus. So I was like, that's a genius idea. I'm going to borrow that. That's brilliant. So, so do you do that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I've been very simple as the kids have been tiny. It's just been finding reindeer faces. But this year they've got a code. And they've got to crack the code. Oh, I wish I'd been told that 20 years ago. (laughs) That's kind of leaning into the excitement of Christmas, Mm. isn't it? But finding your space. Yeah, but going back to that, what works well, it's those things, isn't it? Actually making that flow Mm. is really key. And if you lean in, it works. If you work against it, that's when it all comes unstuck. Yes, everything falls apart. Yeah. 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 Love that. Excellent. Two top tips. Number three. Um, Another one I had to know is I think it's just recognising where the flashpoints can be, isn't it? You yes. Know, it's a time of year, I know. Um, my kids get more and more excited as December goes. They're at that age. I mean, having had teenagers first, where they're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different, different level Very of different enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> different level of enthusiasm for Christmas. Um, whereas we have the opposite extreme, and I know that um you know it's the dark nights isn't it it's when everyone's stuck in the house and i know that's there's potential flashpoints particularly my youngest you know if we don't go out if we're in the house all day 
um, or even just after school and they've been sat in a classroom all day, that's when there's a potential flashpoint, whereas um, yeah, that's when I'm quite keen on us walking, you know, we walk them to school, but also sometimes we'll go to the playground on the way home if we possibly can, mm. or do things that burn off steam. Um, yes, yes. Because, yeah, it's, it, if I, I know, the, that's that physical activity that's so, so important. Mm. And it's, it's so hard to get it inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and there's, there's a million flashpoints we can think of, often with wider family... We can have those flashpoints, can't we? Over Christmas or certain things that this person likes it done that way and this person likes it done that another way. Um, and if we can anticipate where are the flashpoints going to be and maybe just balance, even if it's whether it's looking at a diary and planning it out. Mm. I mean, you said about planning in time to chill yeah. for different children. It's, I think it can be the same for parents, can't it? Yeah. If you're on that treadmill, it, it's going to be different for each person, but just when you can anticipate this is where the flashpoints might be then you can begin to find ways to just meander in a different route or possibly yeah. steer around them. You can't avoid all the flashpoints. I think emotions yeah. run high at this time of year. And it isn't just the children's flashpoints either, no. is it? I mean, I know for my husband, he'll get a few days off mm. and that is his rest time. And yes. how can Christmas <laughs> provide him with a little bit of refreshment, as you wisely said earlier, as well as being a fun time? Well, it yes. just can't be back-to-back fun I was gonna say I know you've done a lot on introverts and extroverts as well haven't yes. you and that's definitely one to watch isn't it the people isn't who it? go I need space yes I've done a lot of peopling and now I need a little bit of space um and equally those who need for that for them that time of year it is all about you know and, and that balancing the amount of socializing for everybody I think is quite key isn't it I think it really really makes the difference and as you say it raises the flashpoint mm if um, they haven't had the time that they need. And interestingly, we've done P&J as well, Myers-Briggs P&J recently, and of Mm. course, your daughter is probably a J with her plans and her (laughs) thoughts, and your son sounds like he might be a P because he just kind of moseys and takes it as it comes. Mm. One of our big flashpoints I've noticed, not for all of them, but I have got four boys, and my mum always used to say, they need exercise (laughs) and they need food. (laughs) They're like horses. (laughs) And so I have learned, don't take them up on anything before dinner. If it's before dinner and one of them says something to another that Mm. I know is going to kind of get their goat, then I'll say, I think that's a brilliant question to ask. Why don't you ask it after dinner? Yeah. And they've gradually learned and even acknowledged about themselves they can get a little bit hangry before dinner. That's that's definitely been a flashpoint in yeah. our house just before dinner. And it's, it's, it applies, doesn't it, not just at this time of year, although I think everything can be a little bit more intense, and particularly this year, I think everybody's really feeling quite tired this year and yeah, a bit weary. it's been a big year. Um, but I think generally, you know, it, it, like you say, it's that anticipating with your children, isn't it? If you, after school's often a time, isn't it, when it's, everyone's just... And, it, and if you know those times when it's, it's not great times to handle things you can park it for now yeah. come back to it later fill them up yeah absolutely. whether that's love whether that's food whether that's activity whether it's just one-on-one attention yeah yeah but it is that that wisdom that we have on our families when you pause and think about it you know, that was off the top of your head wasn't it but it wasn't hard to come up with a flashpoint no um and ask most parents and they go oh yeah this one this one this yes. one and this one <laughs> yes they'll have their common ones yeah, yeah. so working out where they are mm. and how you can avoid them and like you say you can't be perfect you can't avoid all of them but you can no. probably bring it down if you can anticipate them a bit yeah yeah and you know the less yeah. flashpoints the better really isn't it for everyone <laughs> Definitely. You don't want to see me tired and hungry. Hungry <laughs> <laughs> definitely applies to me. <laughs> it's a good word, isn't it? Mm. Excellent. Yeah. 
And last but not least. The last one for me was about expectations. I think we can hold all sorts of expectations in our heads. Our children, I say my daughter's got all sorts of expectations for Christmas and I think sometimes it's about having a chance to communicate those or even notice what our expectations are because I think sometimes you can have those I, I joked I said about rest for us it's not rest as in being horizontal on the settee it is about recharging and recharging is about having a break from routine it's about not having some of the work responsibilities and pressures but it's I know sort of for the Christmas months it's likely to be hard work and it can be hard work that's positive or hard work that's reactive. And for me, I'm like, oh, let's go for the proactive, positive. So, what do you mean work. by that? What's hard work that's proactive? Yeah. So, I think it's that that thing, isn't it? Where I think at this time of year, when you're tired, I think I gave the example of going to the playground, isn't it? Or going out, and sometimes you think, oh, can I really be bothered? But if you know that actually that bit of fresh air, making the effort to go out, will mean everybody gets on a lot better it's worth the effort to do it isn't mm. it and again I think there's that that point where you, it's easy to feel like, oh this is what I just want to do I think it's hard work to be proactive but the payoff is then that you don't have to be reactive or okay. as reactive I think yes. that's what I'm yes um, sort of saying with that but yeah just I think in terms of expectations sometimes um, our children don't quite know what we expect of them that's um, so true that's so true we have it all know, in our heads don't we yes and speaking and, to that I mean, I've, I've sort of found, even if it's something like taking the kids to the dentist, you know, particularly when they're small, saying this is what's going to happen, you might need to wait for a little while, while you're waiting it'll, it will need to sit quietly, uh, you can do this, this or this, and, and whether it's going to the dentist or whether it's the expectations when you go to different places at Christmas, okay we might be going to less places this Christmas, but even mm. so, them knowing what time they're going to go somewhere and what time they're going to eat or when they're going to get their presents, <laughs> as opposed to walking through the front door of someone else's house and saying are we having presents yet and some families have real routines and traditions anyway so the children will know them but I think when our children know explicitly what we want from them that helps I think those those things are really valuable when we we've actually articulated it to our children Mm. and we can then reinforce that and I love that you also snuck into that you can do this this or this and I always think Mm. wherever you can wedge in a choice yes bring it on <laughs> yeah. because then they feel like they've got some say they've been heard they can speak into what's going to go on yes definitely mm. and it's about that everybody having a voice yeah you know and, and it's it's for them to know as well like sometimes we'll try and plan in maybe like a, we call it a pyjama day we never spend the whole day in our pyjamas because one of the kids will need to go out yes um, but it's I think we're going to have a quieter morning this morning because we just need a bit of downtime yeah. um, or this is going to happen and this is when we're going to see so and so I think particularly if you've got some relatives who are less, and we're very fortunate in our family, but I, I do know of people who've got relatives who have quite high expectations of their children. It's hard work, isn't it? And that's yeah. complicated. And I think being able to be clear with your children, this is what I need to do, but also with yourself, but I'll go this far, but I'm not going to go mm. any further. And actually, if this isn't ideal, if that person is a bit cross with me, that's okay. Yes. We, we can expect everything to run perfectly, can't we? And we can expect our kids to get it right all the time. And then there'll be a crunch point where it doesn't I think that's really tricky isn't it we're expecting that we can do ever like this there's a lot of things we're having to let go of I think Mm. so I think it's about being clear about what's most important what can I let go of and how can I communicate to my children what to expect and what I want from them Mm. because otherwise that's where the resentments and frustrations come in isn't it when when there's those miscommunications even with your partner Mm. (laughs) they think you're going to do one thing and you think you're doing something else that's where the rows happen at Christmas yes and also 
it's that thing that you can end up going on social media and looking and seeing, you know, oh my goodness, everybody else has done this, 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 and this. And, and I was going to raise that. Mm. I, the whole comparison thing yeah. is so dangerous, isn't it? You look yeah. at what people have posted. Yes. Think, is that the kind of Christmas that I've got to provide? Yes. <laughs> and we mustn't be intimidated by that. No. We've got to find our own lane and stick in it, haven't we? And somebody exactly. will be fantastic at making Christmas cake. Yeah. And somebody else won't care a bit about it. And no. You've just got to work out what your thing is yes. and go with that. And you, and things you only see a snapshot on social media, don't you? You don't see you the bits see behind it. And, and probably, it's probably very similar for you in that I think the privilege of doing this job is is you know so well that everybody's family life is gloriously messy yes. and complicated yes. um, and that's the beauty of the journey Absolutely. it's not it being perfect no. on social media there is a risk that homes always look perfect and family yeah. sm- all the family smiles look great but you, you know you don't necessarily see that five minutes earlier everybody was having a screaming row or Absolutely. the kids were fighting over something and I think it, it it's that having realistic expectations of everybody, yourself included, you are going to be feel tired. You might be grumpy at some point because most people do have a point where... And and giving each other permission to be human, I think, is really... I think that's brilliant. And I I really agree with that. One of the things about the comparison thing is it it raises the benchmark. Mm -hmm. And actually, even if you're not someone who compares, you probably have a benchmark of, Mm. I want to do this and I want to achieve this. And... I would really encourage people not to be a slave to Christmas because yeah. what inevitably happens is at some point you feel put upon yes. and you start listing. I've done this and I've done this and I've done it and you haven't even <laughs> brought your laundry done. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that we have to be careful to earmark places in our Christmas mm. that we're going to go, I'm going to do that. Yes. And I'm going to do that on that day and work it out with your partner if you've got one. Mm. Where are my downtimes going to come from? Or where's my refreshment? Because if you're an extrovert, it's more likely, you know, maybe you want to go and phone a friend and just go, how's your Christmas going? And <laughs> yes. not have 50 people running in and out of the room whilst you do that. So yeah, not being a slave to Christmas and managing your expectations as well yeah. as your expectations of your family. Very much so. Good. And I think that's where it comes back to that that point we were talking about at the start, about being clear about what, what's most important to you right now. Because yeah. you, I think it's impossible to do it all. I don't know anybody that does it all. There's a compromise somewhere. It has to be. But it's making the compromises in the areas that are right for you and your family. Because mm. what will matter to one person is not the most important thing to another. And I think it's about being able to, let's say, carve your own path, isn't it, in all yeah. of that? And being sure that we put the relational stuff at the front, because mm. I think in the end, the tree is important and the presents are important. But as somebody yeah. said to me recently, she said, I look back on my Christmases and I can't remember what I got, mm. but I can remember Christmas. And I said, well, what do you remember about <laughs> it? She said, well, just the traditions and the things that we did and mm. hanging out together and playing games together. And your children will remember the relational stuff far more than they'll remember the Lego set. Yeah, so whether the Christmas dinner was cooked perfectly. Yes. <laughs> that's, our, that's our issue, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? it it's, it's actually enjoying the messy bits. Yes. And embracing those rather than having that pressure that it's all got to, yes. to be perfect. And that's so easy to say and it's much, much harder. It is. And even do. someone listening to this now is thinking, yeah, but... Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and then I would say okay if you're someone who finds it very hard to bring the bar down Mm. where can you where's one place where you can go okay 
I'm going to let that go. Yeah. You can't do it all. You've got to let some no, things And if you off. do do it all, you might feel wonderful, but the chances are your children are seeing your back, not yes. your front. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What, what, I think it comes back to what do you want your children to most remember of Christmas, isn't yes. it? Yes. Absolutely. We ended where we started. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you, what's a courageous thing that you've done as a mum? That's a hard question because I think being a parent full stop involves a lot of courage, doesn't it, a lot of the time. Um, I think, going back to what you were saying about carving your own path, I think it is those moments, whether it's big or small, where you make a choice to do what you think is best for your child. The things where you think, mm, this is what family think we should really do, but weighing it rationally as well. Mm. We, we've thought this through, we're trusting our gut, this is what feels it's right value right now. System. Yeah, definitely, yeah. and being clear about what matters most to us. And can you think of something that you've done that was difficult, as in it felt courageous in that regard? No, I, th- I think for me, it's those everyday moments, it's those moments when... Um, you can see other parents making different choices and there's lots of little things aren't there where where you see other people going oh they did it that way should I do it that way is that the way to do it I think there are lots of times where there's little things where you think what's the best thing for this child in this moment about that thing of, of doing what you feel is best for your child even when you feel like other people are misjudging you those are moments aren't they when you think I'm gonna I'm not parenting for, for the public view I'm parenting for what's best for my child and if that results in other people thinking this about me mm. that's fine mm. because this is the best route for my child yeah um, and being able to live with the potential misunderstandings of particularly when it's close friends and family members yes, yes. that one of the things for me is if my child behaves in a way that I'm, mm, that's not okay I would much rather have a quiet word with them at home when we're, the situation's dialed down and you know they're calm we can have it as a reasonable conversation. And I can say, well, look, when this happened, I felt like this. I wonder if this was going on for you. You can have a reasonable conversation with them mm, rather than dealing mm. with it in the heat of the moment. And I'm sure there's moments where people think, oh, my goodness, I can't believe she let them get away with that. Yes, yes. And it's being able to live with that potential misjudgment, not having to go and justify yourself. Because I think we often feel as parents, don't we? We've got to then go and justify to other people why we do things a certain way. Yes. You know, even on a simple level, I can think of, you know, times when you take your child to a a birthday party, for example, and perhaps, you know, all the other parents leave their children and your child wants you to stay. Right. And there's those temptations, aren't there, to go, well, all the other parents have done this. Yes. But if your child needs you to stay, your child needs you to stay. Yes. And if that's your gut feeling as a parent... To right. parent according to what your child needs. Yes. To be able to put your own child's need before yeah. the approval of others, because that's a really uncomfortable place sometimes. It's a horrible place. <laughs> and yet, when you make those decisions to do things because it's what other people want, and you're not sure it's right for your child, that's worse, I think. It is, and you regret it afterwards, and mm. you think, I'm never mm. going to do it that way again. Yeah, but it is hard in the moment yeah. to make those choices, because there's often lots of voices of other people, isn't there? There are. In our heads, yeah. telling us. It's dialing into your own family culture in that moment. Yes. And not being swept with the tide of the culture around you, which yes. could be very different. Definitely. I brought um, a quote from a book I read recently by um, a lady called Glennon Doyle called Untamed and there was a quote in there that really resonated, it made me think of you um, and it really resonated with me and it's this, it's brave parenting, is listening to the knowing, ours and our children's, it's doing what's true and beautiful for our child no matter how countercultural it seems, it's about how when we know what our children need we don't pretend not to know. 
That's lovely, isn't it? And it, it is about their need, I notice. It's not about their want. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We always do what our children wanted. Yeah, Julie, yeah. I so appreciate what you brought today. I really do. I oh, think thank there you are some for great tips there for Christmas. Well, there were some brilliant tips for Christmas time. Work out what it's all about, what you want to look back on, and how to prioritise that. Highlighting what works well for you and your family, and factoring that in. Recognising where the flashpoints can be and averting them before they flash up. And letting your children know your expectations. Such a simple thought, but profound in the world of our children to avoid confusion. I hope you've enjoyed that as much as I have. Thank you so much for being part of the Courageous Mama community. I have so enjoyed my journey this year with my podcast, with the followers, with those of you who communicate and listen, with those of you I bump into who tell me that you're listening, and just the encouragements that you've given me along the way. I have loved it all and I will be back on the 5th of January. So it's just left for me to say I wish you and your family, in spite of all the strangeness around this time of year, a really precious and memorable, if a little chaotic and crazy, wonderful Christmas. I'll see you next year.